0: I'm not a good person. I've done bad things. I've hurt people to get ahead. I've ruined people's careers just to advance mine. My children don't speak to me because of how abusive I was with them growing up. All three of my marriages ended in divorce due to my infidelities. Call me atheist, agnostic, whatever you want, but I've never believed in a god or even a devil. I'm very aware of myself, and no matter how much pain I've caused the other people, admittedly sometimes even purposely to entertain myself, no one deserves what I went through. I'm currently laying in a hospital bed hooked up to machines and IVs. I don't remember how I initially got here, but there was apparently an attempt on my life. The last thing I remember is working in my home office and then blackout. The nurses said I'd been shot in the back of the head and was very lucky to be alive. I'll have permanent brain damage for the rest of my life, but luckily, I'm alive. The police informed me that the would-be assassin has been caught and confessed to what he did. Apparently, it was a former employee in my company. I'd never met him before, but he was part of a department that I deemed obsolete and laid off the entire department. Plus, I was. I was able to pay off my Corvette years early thanks to saving off that particular closure. Apparently, one of them didn't see any silver linings in the layoffs. After I blacked out, I awoke in the hospital with medical personnel filling a small room. I was standing at the far end of the room, perplexed by my sudden awakened state as well as my unfamiliar surroundings. The medical staff were doing all they could to save someone's life. It was almost out of a movie or TV show. Although I'd just woken up, there was no grogginess or fatigue, which was very strange. After a few seconds of trying to gather myself, I decided I needed answers. Hey! I yelled abruptly to get someone's attention. Why have I been brought here? They ignored me and continued their work. Now, I know I'm not exactly the nicest guy in the world, but they could have at least taken two seconds to acknowledge me. I became impatient. Hey, Doc! I exclaimed as I grabbed his shoulder. But I couldn't move him. He was solid. I don't mean solid like he was tough to move. I couldn't move him at all. I couldn't even move his scrubs. I felt every ripple of his shirt as my palm pressed against it. It was almost like they were made of plastic or metal I pressed again nothing I pressed harder he didn't budge something was clearly not right I tried getting the attention of everyone else I yelled at them and pushed them I even tried slapping one of the doctors on the back of the head I felt my hand hit but it's as if he was wearing a helmet not one strand of the hair budged what the hell is going on here somebody answer me I screamed, feeling a bit more panicked. As they continued their work, I looked down at the patient they were hastily trying to save. It was... me. I was watching these people try to save my life. My eyes widened out of fright at the realization of me having some kind of -of out-of-body experience. I stood frozen as I watched them. It was a complete deer-in-headlights moment. After a couple of minutes, I began pacing the room nervously as they continued their work. I heard a voice come from the doorway. Hello, the whispered voice said softly. I nervously looked toward the direction of the almost seductive-sounding voice. It was a nurse. She could see me, and she was beautiful. Beautiful. She smiled at me, giving me almost a sense of relief and warmth. I shakily replied, Hi, I said, hoping she would volunteer to clear up my confusion. Come with me, she said with a grin, motioning me to follow her with her hand while walking away. I did just that. I took one more glance over my shoulder at my body and began walking out the door. As I exited the room, I looked to my right in the direction she had walked. She had already made it a good twenty feet ahead of me. I began walking quickly to keep up. Ma'am, slow down, I beckoned. You're walking too fast, I can't keep... The hallway was getting noticeably darker as I walked. I looked behind me. The yard room I came from was... gone. The doorway was now just a wall. No yells from the doctors and nurses dead silent the dark hallway seemed to go on without end i looked in front of me again hello nurse where are you i yelled as loud as i could this way hun her seemingly disembodied voice said off from the darkness i walked and walked for several minutes blank empty hospital walls were all that greeted me as i made my way further into the darkness No more doors, no pictures, no people. the hallway became darker and darker with every step. Almost there now, the nurse said from the blackness. I stopped right there. By now, my concern had turned to annoyance. Alright, I'm not going any further. Nurse, come back here and tell me what's happening, and then I'll come with you, I said sternly. Silence. Hello, nurse? If this is a game, I'm really not... I was stopped by my realization that the hospital walls were now gone. The black void the nurse had walked into was now surrounding me. The darkness seemingly went on for eternity in all directions. I stood confused. Even more confusing was the fact that while I was completely surrounded by darkness, I could see myself clearly. My body was still lit up as if I was in daylight, yet there was just nothingness around me. Could this be a sort of purgatory? I began to hear voices coming from the darkness. At first I could only hear murmurs. I couldn't tell if they were mumbling or just in the distance since I couldn't see anything around me. They became louder and louder and more numerous. Many voices were now yelling. I could hear what they were starting to say. You're scum. You're getting what you deserve. You'll pay for what you did to me now. I hate you. You're evil. Finally, you're going to feel the pain you caused me. I vividly remember some of the terrifying voices from the darkness. I tried to cover my ears as the voices became louder and louder, but it didn't help. I dropped to my knees and yelled for them to stop. What do you want? Who are you? Go away! I frantically yelled. I tried to act tough and add a sternness to my orders, but my voice cracked with every demand. I ducked my head while continuing to hold my ears. The voices became louder as they continued to berate me. I felt an impact on my chest. I fell on my back and began clutching my ribs. As I looked up at who, or what, hit me, I saw a man standing in front of me. The hatred in his eyes is something I cannot describe, nor do I wish to. He stood over me with his fists clenched. The voices were beginning to die down. People were starting to gather around me. One by one, they seemingly appeared from the blackness, all with similar looks of hatred on their faces. The voices stopped. There were dozens upon dozens of people surrounding me standing there with their terrifying glares. It was now eerily silent. No one was talking. I nervously panned the crowd of people around me. I put up my hands as I began to beg them to leave me alone. Who? Before I could start my plea, they began to attack me, all of them at once. They were kicking, punching, and scratching at me. Their rants and yelling started up again, this time even angrier and meaner than before. Stop! Go away! Help! Help! I frantically screamed as they continued to claw and beat me. I have been waiting a long time for this rich man. I heard one of them say as he kicked me in the head. A woman who was clawing at my side with her nails taunted me as well. I'm going to tear you apart. You deserve far worse than this. I felt the raking of her claws on my torso intensely, yet when I looked at my skin, no marks, no scratches or blood. It was as if nothing happened, but the pain was there. The croup continued their assault on me as I lay in a fetal position, trying to block as many of the blows as I could. This was a pain I've never felt before. The mental pain was equally strong. After what felt like an eternity, the people stopped their kicks and clawing and began tearing my clothes from my body. They were so violent about it, bending my limbs in ways that would normally break them just to get the clothes off, but nothing was broken though. Feeling the pain of limbs being stretched and bent without tearing or breaking is indescribable. It was here that I don't know why I did it, but I began yelling for help from an unlikely source. God, please help me. Oh, God, please help. I yelled into the air as I felt another blunt kick to my ribs. God's not there, one of them yelled. He's abandoned you. I didn't know what to do, so I did the only thing that I could. I continued my pleas to a god I've never believed in in my entire life. This seemed to anger those people the more I continued. You're evil. No one will save you. I hate you. We all hate you. God hates you, another man said while desperately trying to get his punches in among the crowd. Just as he landed a successful strike, they stopped. They just stopped and stared at me. No one uttered a single word. They just stared at me with a look of repulsion, as if I wasn't worth the beatings anymore. Without a single word spoken, they began walking away. There was a deafening silence as they walked back into the darkness. I lay there naked, beaten, and alone. No bruises, no scratches, no blood, just... The immense pain from my seemingly unending attack. I began crying as I lay beaten, beaten physically and emotionally. I began to realize where I was. This was hell. Not the fiery pit of lava and rock I always imagined it would look like. It's dark and cold. I lay there for several more minutes until I felt a presence. I couldn't see anything, but there was something there, and I could feel its hatred in the stale air. This hatred, though, was far deeper. A groaned whisper came from the black void around me. It was in another language, but the message was received. The tone of voice terrified me as I knew its intent was malevolent. As I tried looking around for where this voice came from, I felt an excruciatingly painful grasp on my ankle. If my bones could break, they would have been crushed to powder. Something was dragging me violently. It was dragging me so fast. My naked, beaten body was sliding across the bare ground. The burning pain on my skin as the ground scraped underneath me was unimaginable. After... I don't know how long I stopped. I hugged my torso in pain for a few seconds, and then I began to look around. The black void was still around me, but there were people. I panicked at the thought that the attackers had returned. My panic turned to confusion as I realized they weren't attacking me. They weren't even looking at me. They were all just wandering around aimlessly and naked, like me. I stood up slowly and walked towards one of them. Who who are you? Where are we? I asked. He turned his head slowly to look at me. He had a look of confusion on his face, as if he was confused as to why I was speaking to him. He continued shuffling, almost zombie-like. Everyone around me was doing the same, just aimlessly wandering. There were hundreds, maybe thousands, if I could see further into the void. I was in hell. This was going to be my new eternity. I fell to the ground in tears. Some people turned to look at me, but all with a blank expression. As I sobbed uncontrollably on the ground, I felt the presence returned, bared with a growling sound from above us a body came hurtling to the ground and hitting it with a deep thud. The person yelped in pain as they impacted it caught the attention of the others who then cowered in fear. They began crying while holding their arms up in the air as if to block something. I then witnessed something truly horrifying. One of the crying people just lifted off the ground violently and disappeared into the black, black darkness above with another growling sound. The others let out a sigh of relief and began their slow shuffling. The person who had fallen was sobbing hysterically on the ground. I ran to her to try and help, as soon as I touched her, she screamed loudly, swatting my hands from her. She got up and ran. I watched her run quickly until she disappeared into the eternal darkness. I don't know how much time had passed after that. I started walking around almost as aimlessly as the others, but in all directions there was just more darkness. Some people glanced at me, one man gave me a glare as if simply being there irritated him. No, 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 the presence was back, I felt it. The evil that coursed through me was intense as another body dropped from the emptiness. Another thud was heard paired with a scream of pain. The others once again put their hands up in fear. An intense pain went through my body as some invisible force was crushing it. It lifted me into the air. It was my turn for whatever tortures lie ahead. I could see the scared people below me become smaller as I was lifted higher and higher. The grip around my body was so tight and so painful, I began crying in defeat when from the emptiness in the front of me I heard a voice. Is he going to be okay? A familiar voice said. It was my daughter. What is she doing here? I yelled to her. I screamed for help. Stephanie, help! Help me, help! My voice started to shrivel as the immense pain continued through the entirety of my body. I love you, Steph. I love you so much. I continued as I sobbed. I began to feel tired. Exhausted. I don't know how to explain it, but... I passed out. I awoke to more voices around me. I felt a sense of panic as I opened my eyes. My body was too weak to move. I looked up in fright. It was Stephanie, and she was smiling at me. Dad, can you hear me? I nodded with a frightened look. Dad, you're going to be okay. You were shot, but the doctors were able to remove the bullet. <laughs> they saved you, she said in a much needed loving tone. It took a full day before I could speak coherently. The bullet had lodged itself in my skull just enough to put pressure on my brain. If the doctors made one screw up, I would have died. I've been in this hospital for four days now. Every day I think about what happened to me. Was it truly hell? Did I get a glimpse into the internal damnation that awaits me, or could the pressure on my brain have caused a hallucination? Whatever the explanation is, the horror I experienced was truly terrifying. The short time I was there was so scarring, I I can't imagine an eternity of the same pain. They say I flatlined for a full minute. If all of that, everything I saw and felt could happen in just one minute, I'm truly terrified of what's in store for me when I die again. All he needs is a friend. Those were the words that always stuck with me when my grandmother described her childhood. Growing up in the Soviet Union provided its own set of challenges, but that was never what she described as really making an impact on our life. Don't get me wrong. She grew up during a tough time, but in all of the insanity that she'd witnessed all of her life, the one thing that stood out to her was a creature known to her village that came to be known as the Koresh. She, like many people in the villages in the USSR, lived in near a large wooded area, and the one rule she could recall as a kid was to never go into the forest late at night. The bears are the least of your concern, her mother would always tell her. The most terrifying thing you could encounter is a friend. Of course, being a young child, she had no idea what her mother meant, and when she pushed her for details, she was always told that she'd understand when she was older, but that there was no point in giving her nightmares when she was still so young. Naturally, she tried to ask the other villagers what her mother was so worried about, but none of the adults were willing to speak of such an evil to a child. She'd all but given up her search for answers when one of her cousins approached her one day. You want to know what lies in the forest? He asked while smoking a cigarette. Of course I do, Alec, she said back excitedly. But how could she know what's out there? Neither of us are old enough, according to my mom. He coughed and flicked the still-lit cigarette onto the ground, stomping on it as he talked. I heard the adults talking about it one night. They seemed really worried about it, making its way to the village. Why would they be worried? Apparently it's not like any animal. It's more of a... thing. But from the way they described it, it sounded pretty human. They say it takes some people who go out there. Some of them. This piqued my interest. Some of them? Why only some? Don't know. They mentioned something about leaving friends or whatever the hell that means. Friends? Like its name? He shrugged. I'm just as confused as you are, which is why we're gonna find out exactly what this is. Even though she had no idea what was out there, she couldn't help but feel a deep sense of terror at the thought of meeting what stalked those woods. Tonight? She asked warily. Yeah, tonight. I know where my dad keeps his hunting rifle. He's a heavy sleeper, so I should have no problem sneaking it out. Whatever's out there, I'm sure a couple around to its skull will keep us out of danger. Can you meet me outside your home? I'm going to come late, though, so make sure you're up. Despite feeling a bit of unease, she trusted Alec. Though he was a few years older than her, they'd grown up together and the two had developed a close bond. She also knew that he'd often gone out hunting with his father and that they would likely be safe as long as they had the gun. She nodded her head and told him that she'd be ready by the time he came over. Deep into the night, she laid awake in her bed. Her parents had long gone to sleep and she was up contemplating what she would see that night. As the hours passed, she grew worried that Alec hadn't been able to make it out of the house. She slowly crept out of the bed and walked outside with a flashlight, softly closing the door behind her. She flashed into the darkness and almost jumped out of her skin when she saw Alec standing in front of her with a hunting rifle slung over her shoulder. Jesus, she half-yelled, punching me in the chest. You almost gave me a damn heart attack. I'm sorry, I thought you knew I was coming. Didn't expect you'd be out here looking for me, he said with a laugh. She shook her head and asked him what the plan was. Well, he started. From what I overheard, if you build a fire and sit around it for long enough, he'll come to you. Which seems simple enough. Apparently, if we just have a normal conversation, he'll want to join in. A look of confusion crossed her face, and then it quickly turned to annoyance. I thought you were being serious about this. We have a conversation? How stupid do you think I am? What? he asked, confused. I am being serious. What makes you think I'm not? That sounds far too simple. If something is out there, there has to be more to finding it than just talking, right? Why would just talking draw it in? He shrugged and simply said that's just what the adults had mentioned. The survivors of the thing had all simply been camping or gone for a walk with friends. Nothing else in particular was mentioned as reason for drawing it. Slightly discouraged by what was beginning to sound more and more like a hoax, she still agreed to go as a way of satisfying her curiosity. At the very least, if she got through the night without seeing anything, she would know that this thing of legend was nothing more than that. A legend. And she could sleep peacefully at night with the knowledge that the adults really didn't have anything to worry about outside of your run-of-the-mill animals. They made the hike out to the woods and stopped at what seemed to her like a random spot. Alex set up a campfire and she sat down on a nearby log and looked up at the sky. Do you really think we'll find anything out here? She asked. Forest is a big place. How do you know we'll find it right here? Remember Igor? Supposedly this was the spot he saw the thing when he was on a hunting trip with some friends. Did they shoot at it? No. No. They ran like cowards. If we see it, he picked up the rifle and aimed it into the woods with a big smile on his face, we'll shoot it and bring it back to the village. Maybe we'll actually get some respect from the adults if we kill the thing. She nodded and put her hands around the fire as it roared up. Alex stood up and said he had to use the bathroom before walking behind some trees. However, it only took a few seconds after he had disappeared for him to come rushing back to the campsite. I found something. Quick, put it by the fire so we can read. Confused, she quickly got up from her spot and went over to him. He was crouched by the fire looking down at a piece of paper, and she read from over his shoulder. From what she could see, it looked like a set of rules that read 1. Accept gifts. 2. Don't run. 3. Don't scream. 4. Don't insult. 5. Be happy. Six, he's your friend. Seven, come back to visit. What the hell? Alex said with a trembling voice. Where did you find this? She asked. It was pinned to the tree I was pissing on. I. What the fuck do you mean? He's our friend. That sounds stupid, right? He promptly stood up and crumpled up the paper and then threw it on the ground. It doesn't matter. After this night, our friend will be dead. At this point, her trust in Alec was beginning to waver. At first, she had confidence in him, but now she wasn't too sure. Not only had a group of grown men almost all but disappeared, but they specifically left behind a message for how to deal with the thing because they knew it was the only way. How smart was it really for Alec, who was still only 16, to claim that he could defeat the thing when they obviously couldn't? She wanted to ask if they could go home, but she knew that he'd insist on staying, and she didn't feel comfortable walking back alone, so she opted to stay quiet. She found a spot on the opposite side of the campfire. Alec sat on the ground and set the gun beside him. The two were silent, the moment providing too much stress for the both of them. Despite his prior bravado, it took a few minutes for Alec to finally break the silence and start conversation. At first it was awkward, neither knowing what to talk about or how long until they could expect the thing to show up, but slowly it became warmer. They started to reminisce about their childhoods, what it was like to grow up in the village, and what they wanted to really do when they got older. They shared laughs and exchanged jabs, and before they knew it, they had simply been talking for hours. By the time they realized that Alex stood up and yawned, maybe it's just a myth, Come on, let's go. Confused at why Alec had stopped mid-sentence, she took note of the look of sheer terror on his face. Tracking his eyes, he appeared to be staring at something directly to her right. My grandmother looked to her side and saw a lanky white figure taking a seat on the log next to her. Her blood ran cold at the sight of the thing. Fire had the unfortunate task of illuminating the creature. A six foot tall abomination with porcelain white skin looked back at her. It had an oval elongated head with a large scar running down the middle. Its eyes were shallow circles that looked more like sores than anything that could effectively perceive movement. Its mouth was literally as wide as its head and filled with rows of needle like teeth. Its body looked emaciated, and on its right arm, it looked as though it had another limb that had started to grow. Instinctively, Alex screamed in terror, and the thing immediately snapped its head toward him, quickly stood up and reached over the fire with elongated arms that picked him up by the head. He cried as it had him in his grasp, and its eyes, which at first were no bigger than dollar coins, suddenly grew to the size of baseball. With one swift motion crushed his skull in between its hands, casually dropping his body into the fire before sitting back down next to my grandmother. Its mouth curled upward to reveal teeth, and what she could only recall was a distorted interpretation of a smile. Every fiber of her being wanted to panic and run, but she knew that would mean certain death. It took every ounce she had in her not to cry over the gruesome death of Alec and forced a smile hello she eked out it stared down at her still smiling and all she could do was try and smile back just as she was about to break the thing stood up and walked into the forest as soon as it was out of sight she began to break down the tears flowed and she wailed into the night the realization that her own curiosity had led to the death of her cousin hitting her with a force unlike she'd ever come to know She didn't get the chance to grieve for very long as she suddenly heard rustling from behind her. She quickly sat up, wiped away the tears, and choked back any sobs that had the chance of escaping her mouth. Putting on the fake smile again, she looked back and saw it dragging something. When it stood next to her, it dropped what looked like a wolf carcass that had been completely picked clean of hair with its teeth pulled out. It looked down at the gif and then back to her, Her fake smile widened, and she very reluctantly bent down to touch the thing. Thank you. This is very kind, but I'm a small girl and have no way of getting this home. He continued to stare at her. Unsure of whether or not it understood, she went to demonstrate that she couldn't lift it. After several minutes of struggling, it simply picked up the dead wolf with one hand and then pointed back toward the village. The thing walked a few yards ahead and then stopped to turn around and stare at her, maintaining that terrible smile. She got the inkling that it wanted her to follow her, but unsure whether or not it actually wanted to take her to the village, she hesitated. She eyeballed the gun for a moment, but realized she had no training with firearms, even if she could somehow get off a shot before it grabbed her. There was no guarantee that the bullet would do any real damage. Reluctantly, she decided to follow and keep a somewhat comfortable distance. By the time the sun began to rise in the sky, they'd made it back to the village. It tossed the carcass onto the ground and then turned to my grandmother as she walked past it, making sure to keep her now painful smile. She thanked it for walking her home, and to her... Making sure to keep her now painful smile, she thanked it for walking her home, and to her horror, it started making a gurgling noise in response. Saliva started to drip from its mouth, and after several seconds of it trying to desperately choke up the words, it managed to grunt out the words, You're welcome. Then it simply walked back into the woods. She stood there in shock. The way that the creature had sent those words sent another wave of guilt and panic through her. She collapsed to the ground and cried until some villagers came by and brought her to her parents. There she told them about everything that had happened. She sighed about how the thing had killed Alec, given her the carcass, and perhaps most terrifying of all, how it sounded exactly like him as it had left. From what I understand, the villagers told her that they'd sent parties to kill it before, and that every time they did, there were no survivors. The most they could do was put a sign back up to let anyone know, unfortunate enough to meet it, what they should do if they happen to come across it. The answer to surviving was simple. All he needs is a friend. However, there was one more rule my grandmother had to follow. Every once in a while, she had to make that trip back out to the woods. She had to sit and wait for that thing to come out of hiding and speak with it until it decided it was time for her to come home. It was never easier, of course, The thing that had killed her cousin made her blood run cold every single time she saw it. It wasn't until she moved to the United States did she finally feel free of the creature, content that it could never follow her there. But that's not where the story ends. You see, our family owns a cabin where that town used to be. I'd never visited, but after my grandmother had told me the story so many times as a kid, I don't know. I kinda feel like... I have to see it through, right? Spend a week there and see if I find anything. If I do, then I don't see why I wouldn't be fine. If all I have to do is show it kindness, then that should be fairly easy. Plus, you can't follow me home even if it is real. My flight out to Russia is set for next month. I guess we'll see what happens. I'll keep everyone updated. Hopefully. I was only 12 years old when I first discovered it. My family and I had a very fun, and as my dad liked to call it, healthy activity. Every other weekend, we went out for a hike in the mountains that surrounded our town. Due to living in a very mountainous area, hiking was a very popular form of recreation for the townsfolk. There were dozens upon dozens of trails to choose from, so my parents liked to choose a different one every time we ventured out. Our latest choice, however... Proved to be our last as a family. I was the middle child with a younger brother and older sister. My parents liked to put us in charge of picking the trail we'd have our little adventure on, and it was my brother's turn. Hi, right, little man, my father shouted to my brother from the computer screen. Here are your two routes. Rattlesnake Gulch Trail or Neff's Canyon Trail. My brother looked up at him from his Game Boy. Uh, well, I don't want to get us all killed. By rattlesnakes, so Snuff's Canyon, I guess. He remarked while immediately resuming his game. Dad let out a humorous scoff. It's Neff's Canyon, buddy, he said while motioning to my mom to see the pictures. After packing our supplies and being yelled at only six times by my sister for packing things incorrectly, we made our way out. We'd made it roughly halfway through the trail to a more densely wooded area, which made visibility ahead a little more difficult. Many of the overgrown trees had rooted themselves into the trail as I remember tripping over several roots and scraping my forehead against many of the overgrown branches. It was here that I asked my father if we could take a quick restroom break. Without work, he nodded while taking a swig from his water bottle. I walked off the trail, brushing through the dense foliage. I wanted to get enough distance to make sure my sister couldn't see me pee weird thought i know but as a child i was very sensitive to that kind of thing as i finished up i began turning to walk back to my family and I noticed something something strange through the dense trees one of the trees among the many stood out it was much darker in color and seemed a lot more dried out and unhealthy my curiosity got the best of me and i walked over to inspect this poor tree As I arrived at the tree, scratch marks covered the entirety of it. It was dry with very few branches and no leaves. The dark color was almost disturbing, like something you'd see on the set of a horror film. It was dead. Bummer, I said to myself as I began walking back to my family. As I turned to leave, I caught a quick glimpse of something no one could prepare for. On the side of the tree, almost towards the top, I could see a hole in the bark. Assuming it may be some kind of animal nest, I curiously walked around to look in. A frown came across my face as I looked into the tree. It was hollowed out much more than I first realized it was, and full of bones. Dozens and dozens of bones. It was dark, and I couldn't see how far down the pile went, but there were many. I wasn't afraid at first, because the first thought that entered my mind was that these were animal bones. Maybe some sick kids killed animals for fun, or maybe this was the work of a bear. Damn, I exclaimed as the thought of being in a bear's territory startled me. I began to walk away when something caught my eye. Inside the pile of bones, I could see a more smooth surface along the pile. My eyes squinted as I looked closer. My better judgment was not in play as I walked closer. My curiosity got the best of me. I don't know why I did what I did, but I reached my hand in to touch it. It wasn't a flat surface. It was curved. My eyes lit up as I realized what this might be. I felt a fright I'd never experienced before as I dug my hand into the pile of bones to pull out what I had originally feared this could be. My fears were correct. Slowly from the pile of dried bones, a human skull began to appear in my hand. I stood in fright, staring at the dead human skull. Dad! Dad! Help! I yelled, continuing to stare at what I was holding. I heard my dad in the distance through the dense trees, but couldn't understand what he said. Dad, come here, now! I tried yelling with all I had. I dropped the skull back into the pile of bones and slowly backed away. My dad broke through the thick foliage, revealing himself. What's up, buddy? He said with a smirk. I said nothing. I simply pointed to the tree, not letting my eyes off of it. I could see the look of confusion on my dad's face, even from the corner of my eye. He walked towards the tree with an almost sarcastic look on his face at this point. That look faded away fast as he peered into out the hollow tree. Holy shh, my dad began. You guys, let's go, my mom yelled from the other side of the brush. Slowly, my dad turned to look at me. I'll never forget that moment as my dad and I just stared at each other in shock. A full police investigation was done. All 147 bones in the tree were human. A total of 12 separate people were reported to be housed in that tree, with mainly the larger bones and skulls being kept. This appeared to be the work of a serial killer. Through DNA testing, many unsolved disappearances were answered. Someone was preying on the hikers on that trail. The tree was destroyed by the local authorities. I retold my story over and over again to several detectives. And the murders remained unsolved. Until now. Ten years later, I'm now an adult living on my own. While traumatized as a child, the day of my discovery has been growing further and further from my mind. I purchased a house with my wife closer to downtown. It might be a bit psychological from that day, but a more urban lifestyle was what offered me safety. That one, my wife yelled from our computer desk in an almost familiar scenario. I walked over to the computer to gaze at the screen. It was our first anniversary, and we wanted to do something special. My wife had picked a cabin for us to spend the weekend in, and I was grinning in excitement as I browsed the photo gallery. It was a beautiful cabin by the lake, and the price was right. Book it, I said with a smile. She did just that, and for the rest of the week, conversation filled the house with our excitement of the upcoming weekend. The pictures did it no justice as we arrived to our cabin. The mist hovered over the bank of the lake as dawn ended. We made sure to make it up there early, not to waste a moment of our time there. An almost primal fear came over me as I wasn't prepared for what my wife said later that morning. Let's go for a hike today, she said as she cooked our morning eggs. I looked at her with eyes wide open. She looked at me as if I knew what my reaction would be before even asking the question. I'm sorry, I knew it would be a tough question, but I think it might be good for you, she said confidently. Ugh. I comically replied, attempting to cover up my nervousness. "'I know what happened when you were little,' she said, raising an eyebrow at me. "'But I think this is a chance for you to come to terms. "'What happened was miles away from here and a decade ago. "'I'm betting a nice, safe hike will bring you some closure.' "'Halfway through our breakfast, I finally relented.' "'Okay,' I said sternly. "'But if you turn out to be the murderer, I want a divorce.' We smiled at each other as we finished our breakfast. A couple hours later, we were packed and ready to go out for a hike. I'm happy to report the hike was largely uneventful. It was relaxing, and we put in a lot of quality time in the few hours we were gone. No other human was in sight during the trail, which gave us a sense that this was our adventure together. It was great until... Something caught my eye. As we walked back down the trail to end our adventure, a familiar sight hit my eyes. I pulled a classic double-take as I spotted it in the distance. A dark, dead-looking tree peered back at me through the forest. We didn't stop our descent to the foot of the mountain as I kept my eyes trained on it. As we approached the entrance to the trail, I shrugged my sighting off as my mind getting to me. After all, dead trees aren't exactly uncommon. I laid in my bed that night, staring at the ceiling. My wife was fast asleep in exhaustion from today's hike. My mind was reeling with the thought of what I'd seen. This couldn't happen again, could it? Could this serial killer be striking again, preying on hikers? My curiosity got the best of me yet again. I slowly slid out of the bed not to wake my wife up. Quietly got dressed to head out and finally put this fear to rest. I let out a heavy exhale as I stared at the entrance to the trail. With flashlight in hand, I began walking. Every sound from the forest was accompanied by a startled whip of my flashlight. I placed my hand securely on the handle of the knife I would made sure to attach to my belt. The darkness through the forest was eerily silent as I flung my flashlight left and right in confusion. The nighttime atmosphere was throwing me off with everything looking different. I pulled out my phone to load up a map of the trail. This was not necessary, after all. As I placed my flashlight under my arm to retrieve my phone, I saw it. The dark hunk of a tree was right in the middle of the light, almost as if it was beckoning me towards it. I stared at it for several seconds. My frame straightened up as I let out another large exhale. It was time to put my fears to rest. I began walking towards the tree. I was stopped in my tracks as I heard the branches cracking in the thick forest just to the right of the tree. I ducked in cover while attempting to block the light from my flashlight with my palm. I was able to hit the off switch as I cowered between two large bushes. More limbs cracked as audible footsteps began echoing from the forest. Someone, or something, was coming. The forest around me was lit up in a haze of gray from the moonlight. I looked back at the trail, contemplating making a run for it. If whatever this was that was breaking through the forest was a bear or a mountain lion, I wouldn't make it very far if it heard me, though. I stood my ground. The cracks of the branches became louder as I saw the trees begin to separate. Clunk. Something fell to the ground from the trees. I couldn't tell what it was, but it landed directly at the base of the blackened tree. A low groan was heard from its thick branches it just fell from, followed by a raspy growl. I ducked down further into the branches, realizing... I ducked down further into the bushes, realizing I was having an animal encounter, and had to keep out of sight, just to not be attacked. I'm not sure if the term animal is correct for the actual encounter I had next. Something came to retrieve its prize. The dense leaves began to part again. A large claw-like hand came from the trees, grabbing what was dropped onto the ground. A form started to emerge. Its giant body must have been 15 feet tall. Its limbs were stretched unimaginably long. The body of this creature was covered in hair while its arms and legs were completely hairless. Talon like claws stretched from its bony arms as it lifted up its prize. The form of a human began to appear as it was lifted by the ankle. I covered my mouth almost instinctively, trying desperately not to make noise in the eerily quiet forest. I watched terrified as the creature grasped its hands around the entirety of the victim's body. With an almost effortless pull, it tore the leg off the victim and began eating it with the rest of the body falling to the ground. I don't know how much time passed as I watched this thing dine on its meal. I couldn't move. I shouldn't move. I made the decision to just lay in wait and hope the creature finishes its midnight snack and move on. I wasted none of its meal as I could see it tearing every piece of meat and flesh from the bones with its jagged, sharp teeth. As I looked up at the creature's face, its toothy mouth covered most of its head with small, shiny eyes just above a flat, almost skeletal nose. After making short work of its meal, all that lay left were a pile of bones. Through the moonlight I could see the bones of its victims. It had devoured the smaller bones, leaving the larger ones intact. My childhood fears were realized as I watched it conduct what I could only call a ritual. It began picking up the bones one by one, examining each one as if it were oddly studying them. After a long examination of each bone, it put the bones into the tree. I could not see where the gap in the tree was from my angle, but I knew the bones were being collected into a hollowed-out tree, just like what I saw ten years ago. A light breeze filled the air as I continued to stare at the horror of this creature. Once the bones were secured in their hiding spot, it began to move back into the trees and let out a quiet sigh of relief. It stopped. With its skeletal nose in the air, it began sniffing. My fear returned as it slowly turned its head to me. It knew. It knew I was there. I've never seen anything take off so quickly as this thing did towards me. I panicked as I shined my light directly at the creature. And the, light seemingly disentor- <laughs> the light seemingly disoriented it as it covered its eyes and flung past me. I began running down the trail as quickly as I could, desperately trying to grab my knife. Damn it! I yelled as I tripped over another rock and began tumbling down the trail. I landed on my back as I came to a stop from my tumble. My adrenaline was too high to feel the pain as I pulled out my knife and pointed it in the direction I'd just fallen from. Silence. The night sky was eerily quiet. After panning my surroundings for a few seconds, I got myself up and ran. I don't know how I ran so far, but I'd finally made it to our cabin. I slammed the door tight, my body pressed against the door, locking the deadbolt. I quickly walked to my kitchen window that was facing the direction of where I just came from. Nothing. The forest in front of me was quiet. Almost too quiet. My shoulders began to droop as my fear lessened. I had escaped this monster. I began walking back to the living room still in shock from what had just occurred. I stood in the middle of the room staring at the fireplace that lit the room up in an orange hue. I lifted my head up in an empty gaze as I heard a cracking outside. My fear returned as I crouched my body slowly walking toward the living room window. I peeked through the blinds. I shot back in fright as all I could see was a furry body pressed up against the window and sliding across. It was here. I ran to the bedroom to get my wife. Wake up! Wake up! I yelled in fright. Her eyes shot wide open at the sudden startle. What the hell is going on? She yelled. There's a... I don't know... a a creature outside. And it tried to attack me. We have to get out of here. Now! I screamed as I ran to the door. She shot straight up and jumped out of bed. I ran to the kitchen to desperately look for the car key. I was stopped in my tracks by a low growl coming from in front of me. I slowly looked up to the kitchen window. The entirety of it was covered by the creature's face. It was just staring at me. Those cold black eyes, its sharp, long teeth seemed longer than before as drool dripped from the points of them. We stared at each other for several seconds. My wife walked in and saw my motionless gaze. She turned to look at what I could possibly be staring at. She let out a blood-curdling scream at the sight of it in front of her. The creature roared in rage and disappeared from the window. Scratching could be heard outside as the creature was looking for a way into the cabin. Roars of frustration could be heard paired with crashing sounds and more scratching. My wife and I held each other in fright. We have to wait until it's in the back, I whispered. Once we hear it back there, we need to quietly go out the front door and get to the car. She nodded with eyes wide open. We listened for several more minutes as the creature shuffled around the cabin. Finally, it made it to the back door. My wife and I looked at each other and began quietly walking towards the front door. As I unlocked the deadbolt, a loud creaking was heard from behind us. The monster had bent the back door almost in half. This time I let out a scream and began frantically opening the door. I pushed my wife through as soon as it was open. She ran to the car and I slammed the door shut. I saw the small window in the door the creature made it through. It was tearing apart the cabin in rage, tossing furniture and digging its large claws into the wall. I ran into the car and jumped in the front seat. Go, 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 my wife yelled from the passenger seat. I turned the ignition starting the car and a loud crash was heard. The creature barreled into the front door, taking out the entire door frame. It landed with a thud at the bottom of the entryway stairs and it flailed its long and bony limbs to regain balance. Without a word, I threw the car into drive and took off. I could see my rearview mirror and the creature giving chase. I hit the gas pedal hard as the engine wailed. I kept my eye in the mirror as the creature began to fade into the darkness behind us. It was gone. The trip back home was silent. Nothing was said until we got home. We desperately tried to put together what had just happened. She looked at me in shock as I told her about the tree and what the creature had done with the remains of its victims. I thought about going to the authorities with what happened, but me finding two trees full of human bones, I didn't think they'd buy that. More so, my story of the large creature that filled those trees, even more unbelievable. We lost the money from the deposit on the cabin due to the damages and were being sued for the rest of the amount. Like I give a shit. I'm just happy to be alive, that we are alive, after what occurred. I've not heard even a single other report of a creature like this, or even similar to what I encountered. I wonder, were we the lucky ones and the only ones to ever escape this thing? I'll never go hiking again. And I warn you, if you do, and you come across a black, dark, dead-looking tree, leave immediately. I wish I'd never found that tree, full of bones.